0: Too too busy to flush I'm JR I'm Molly <laughs> I love the way you look at me when I say that What? It's very expectantly Like you're about to burst out into something Floral I'm waiting a for bloom you Bloom to... I'm just uh... waiting
1: for you to Take the lead on a conversation
0: Oh That's fair
1: Because that's what you do
0: We are Husband and Wife Con- uh, podcasts, And if you are f- Joining us um, First join us Thank you for joining us for the first time ever. Uh, we talk about everything from food to
1: our faith, faith our family, family fun, things we think are fun. Things. What's a trailers. word for F that is things we find useful around the house? Forks. Yeah, we've never talked about forks.
0: We could talk about forks, though. Do you Can want we, to?
1: No, not really. We could talk about spoons. So we have a problem with getting utensil? spoons thrown away mm. in our house. To the point where the set that I had before we got married was down to like four or five. And if you have like cereal for breakfast and yogurt for lunch or soup for lunch or something, we were running out of spoons at every meal because there are six of us. And so you got me spoons for Christmas and our 10-year-old spent his own money on a complete silverware set for me, also for Christmas. And even today, while Elise, the six-year-old, was putting away the silverware, she's like, Mom, look at how many spoons there are. I just love how many spoons we have. So, and every now and then Titus still says, aren't you glad I got you spoons for Christmas? Wasn't that a great present?
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Yep, yeah. Kids are cute.
1: Are they? They yeah, are cute.
0: they are cute. They
1: are wonderful sanctification joy bringers. I saw a great quote on kids earlier today, but I can't remember what it was. They're was also good for up.
0: sanctification hair puller outers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, Messmakers, house destroyers, see, stuff here's destroyers. here's the thing. Sanctification doesn't happen in ease. I've been musing, no, actually, on this. I... <clears throat> So I think that there's something physically that happens for core strength and for bone density. I don't know about guys. I assume it's true about guys, but I've been noticing in the posture and like the leg alignment and the way younger women slash teenagers carry themselves, I think there's something really big missing in a lot of them and I think it's physical activity and it affects how they walk how they stand how their legs fit together from their hips and I know that affects Hmm. all sorts of things on the inside but I was musing because I did sports in high school and lifted weights and ran you know it was was compelled by the sports to do exercise to the point of exhaustion like we had right We didn't do three-a-days, like the football teams, but my basketball team did two-a-days back in the day, Mm -hmm. back when I was a kid. Um,
0: (laughs) We actually exercised. No,
1: women's girls' basketball, high school girls' basketball was a fall sport. So girls' basketball and football ran at the same time, and they switched it while I was in college, I think. So now boys' and girls' basketball run at the same time. I guess that means volleyball must be the fall sport because it was boys' basketball and girls' volleyball were at the same time in Montana.
0: Mm.
1: In the spring, it was track and tennis and golf. And swimming was also a winter sport. So you had to do either volleyball or swimming if you were a girl and wanted to do a winter sport. But now boys' and girls' basketball are at the same time in the winter. and But back in the day, we would be doing two-a-days before school started at the same time that the football team would be doing three a days. And I was trying to think, if we don't have our kids do organized sports, if they will receive the physical benefit of exercising that hard.
0: Um. Huh. I, I don't know, because I know that they don't necessarily have that same compulsion in judo. You know, they don't, you don't run until you die. Yeah. Uh, that said, the I feel like our kids are the most active children I've ever met because during, especially during the summer, all they do is run around outside Yeah. and they literally run. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of slouching going on in today's youth, a lot of shoulder slumping. I don't like shoulder slumping. But if you look
1: at the hips and knees and leg alignment of like, Teenage girls and some like moving up. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's an influencer that I follow on Instagram for like health food sorts of reasons. But every now and then she posts a video of herself working out to, I suppose, inspire people. But I'm like something off about your knees, and I wonder. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a physiologist. I'm not a your physical therapist. But but the way that she stands just says to me in my complete lack of experience that right. maybe she's missing something in her core strength and I of course with having had four kids am all about rebuilding core strength which is incredibly difficult to do when small when small human beings have been grown inside you and have ripped your abs apart and literally have mm-hmm. s- separated them and you're trying to get them back together so you don't look six pregnant. months pregnant after two slices of pizza or at the end of Every single day, which seems to still be the case with me. But um, anyway, that's not really what I wanted to talk about today.
0: Oh, it isn't. Okay. What do you want to talk about?
1: Well, I had a couple of fun home hacks that I thought would be interesting to share to start with. Okay. One is I bought these hangers on Amazon or not on Amazon on target, you guys. And I've searched the internet and I'm not seeing them anywhere else. And I'm not going to vouch for them yet because I haven't had them long enough to know if I love them. But they're heavy-duty metal, and then they're covered in almost like paracord. Like, there's like a piece of paracord on the outside of them. Mm -hmm. And they're labeled like fabric-covered hangers on Target's website. And I just have had such... I don't like the thin metal hangers because they don't hold up for heavier clothes and clothes slip off of them. But our kids are so hard on plastic hangers. I buy like a 10 or 20 pack of them. And we're, I mean, I find them constantly with the top snapped off on the kids' floors. And then when we (laughs) moved into our house four years ago, I bought some nice felt ones like wood and felt. And our kids have even like ganked the metal top out of the top of it or out of the hanger. Or those do actually break. Because that's what kids do, but so I'm, I'm kind of holding my breath, hoping that I'll like these. They're like five for four dollars, so like eighty cents each, and they're not as cheap as the plastic ones. But I'm hoping that they'll hold up. And they sound cool. Yeah. So anyway, and then you actually used one of the drain snakes that I ordered from Amazon.
0: Yeah, that was pretty clever. So I it's liked like... it. So Mo- Molly bought this really long, super flexible snake and it's got it's, a it's thumb plastic. press. It's plastic. It's got a thumb has a thumb press on one end and I used the thumb I used the metal one. I didn't use the plastic Oh you didn't? Ones. I just
1: used the plastic ones.
0: So I used the metal ones. Oh. So the metal one is really really long and it's got
1: It's kind a, of like a spring. A slightly
0: flared bell housing on one end and in that, in that housing are four tiny m- metal claws. And when you when you stick it down into a hole, you push you push down onto the thumb press and it presses that claw out, that claw opens and it releases back into the bell housing and then you pull out whatever crap it's caught, right? In a drain. So you stick it way down. And the bell housing is small enough that most drains have that cross piece a little farther down to keep like big stuff from falling Mm -hmm. in there it'll actually fit through the corner there and i took that to three different uh sinks in the house and i was able to pull out nasty nasty things but the the drains the sinks drained just beautifully and i was super kind of impressed with that little device so i'll yes. put a link in the show notes for that and i used
1: for our bathtub i used the plastic one which just has like spikes that go up kind of like a fish hook
0: how mm-hmm. uh, the
1: spike the barb gets caught so the spikes go up so you can thread it down through like a hair clog or something and then it catches the hair clog was it hair that you pulled out of there it was so much hair which It's kind of weird because I'm usually pretty cognizant of how much hair.
0: I don't know the way I cleaned it out after the old owners, though.
1: I've cleaned it out once before, I think, but it just was, you know, just a little bit of hair builds up time. And I was afraid it was something more major than just some sort of clog in there. I also pulled out a tiny plastic fish that the kids had been playing in there that made its way, like, kind of wedged down into the pipe. The smell,
0: the smell, it's really like stuff in the bottom of those. The drains where there's pipe curves it's and it's gray, stuff go on. It's gray. It's mushy, kind of like yeah, a mud.
1: We don't need to go And that. It
0: smells. So, it's so the gross. smell is just
1: wow. And that's like a foot. So it's, like, stinky. it's like a foot down from where you oh, spit when yeah. you're brushing your teeth. It's just terrible.
0: Up. Now, really one gross. of the sinks here I did clean out because I think Lily put broke. A, a crayon, a, a crayon, and shoved it down the sink. So she, I had to like, pull apart. She like, she
1: it was more creative than that. It was it was like oh. teeny tiny, like she had crushed the crayon. Okay, and then determined that she didn't want. She probably, as she does with everything, mixed it with water and made some concoction. Ah,
0: uh, and then that makes a lot of sense. Probably
1: poured it down the drain because it was Thinking mixed with water and she was, was done with it.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, she didn't like to come clean about that one though. She was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She well, cause she probably didn't even think liar. about it.
1: She just had something that was in a, gl- in a jar that she had mixed with water. And well, she could just tell out. me what
0: happened. I was like, it would she, be really she doesn't helpful.
1: Even think of it, doesn't even think of it.
0: It'd be really helpful if you told me what happened, what you put down there. Cause then I know what I'm going after and I know what tools I need. Kids to to can get
1: be it. tremendously fortunately, destructive without even knowing it.
0: Fortunately, that, I forget what they call them. That, that U pipe at the bottom for the, for catching that kind of crap that um, it just unscrews in one piece so I could just drop the whole thing out and dump it. But It was super nasty. Mm. I also got some work done on the trailer this weekend. Um, I don't know how many of you new listeners probably don't know this, but we had a long time. Uh, we talked about it on one of the previous episodes. You can go back and look at our library. I can't remember what episode it is offhand. But Molly and I have always kind of talked about, ever since we first got married like 10 years ago, we talked about maybe trying to um restore a vintage camper trailer and we decided to maybe start looking around last year and it we just happened to have been given one so i drove out to california in june and brought back a 1954 spartan royal mansion and you can't find exact it's not the easiest thing to find on the internet but if you just google spartan double ender you'll get kind of the basic thing so it's 37 feet long and i finally finished gutting it uh this week and i got to go do the floor to figure out what's going on so that's kind of exciting Mm -hmm. you know and as the weather clears up we'll start we'll start finishing up the the touch-ups we're going to do to our little pop-up trailer we didn't want to wait six years to do our travel plans because that's probably how
1: long it'll take to do the big one
0: probably yeah so anyway i Um, got that done this week i think we've
1: talked about it off and on for various episodes but if you look at our instagram feed there's pictures of you bringing it out last summer yeah i can't find any episodes with it in the title glancing through our instagram the other thing that i think that people should know about and maybe a lot of people do is hydrogen peroxide removes blood stains from clothing
0: and doesn't stain the clothes. Doesn't
1: stain the clothes. I suppose it might bleach darker colored clothes, but we were at some friend's house last Sunday, and Lily got shot. I think she got shot in the face with a Nerf bullet, but the, it hurt badly enough that she started crying really hard, and it gave her a bloody nose. And I didn't realize she had a bloody nose, because I thought like she got it while she was crying really hard while I was hugging her. And then I looked down, and I just had blood all over my shoulder. <laughs> You were of, not
0: happy about that. Well, I. Wasn't that I a mean, dark gray sweatshirt? It was a dark
1: gray sweatshirt, but. And it
0: didn't bleach it at all or stain it.
1: I No, it huh. didn't on that one, but that's cool. been washed a ton. But hydrogen peroxide is actually very closely related to OxyClean, but it's easier to use to just spray your dab on something. It also works, which is why OxyClean works on baby poop, which we're hmm. way out of that. You don't want to go through bottles and bottles of hydrogen peroxide if you are in the blowout stage, but if as baby blowouts do, it gets on somebody else's clothes <laughs> as they're holding a child, yeah. the uh, you know, telling them a little bit of hydrogen peroxide will help clean that organic stain out. But we had one, the one of the t- first times Lily ever she gets nosebleeds in the winter and one of the first times she ever got a really bad nosebleed, she was she was at the top of the stairs coming down from her bedroom. And she, it was like gushing and she dripped, there was blood on almost every step all the way down from her bedroom to our living room. And I did use hydrogen peroxide on that. Cause it was, that was like our first winter in the house, brand new carpet. Yeah. And she had, you know, I mean, it was, it was like a shocking amount of blood that was very hard for me to process and deal with calmly. But then after we got the nosebleed stopped, which by the way, was the classic, um, Like, you pinch right below the nose. Mm
0: -hmm. We ended up
1: putting ice on the back of her neck to cool the blood going into her whole head. Because she wouldn't hold ice, like, on her forehead or above her nose. And we ended up having to order, like, some clamps from Amazon. Because she was getting nosebleeds so much, it was easier... To have like foam clamps holding that, than me with my fingernails, and mom, you're pinching me with your fingernails, and I, I'm sorry, but I have to pinch hard in order to make this stop bleeding. And
0: I, we have we have uh, ski patrol refresher once a year, which is basically an intensive weekend where people come in and they 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 teach on one third of the the curriculum material, and it's usually local medical professionals. My first year was last year, uh, twenty nineteen, and last ski season year and one of the surgeons came in and he's a surgeon and he's like I just and we were talking about stopping bleeding because stop the bleed is a major campaign it's very important that you know how to stop bleeding and so there were lots of gross images and lots of stories and he's just like yeah I can't I had my PA a guy came in one time with a broken nose he's bleeding everywhere and I couldn't I just I couldn't look at him. I said, get the bleeding stopped and then come get me. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and here's a surgeon. He's like, I can handle everything. Nosebleeds, do me in That's every hilarious. time.
1: <laughs> hey, I thought of your ski patrol stuff the other day because Titus was watching last night. He was watching the YouTube show Operation Ouch, mm-hmm. which is great for kids like ages six through ten-ish. It's a pair of twin doctor brothers who do a TV show about all things medical and they're goofy and no pro have no problem being gross, which the kids find hilarious, but they're also very educational and they were doing ride alongs with ambulances and I had to correct it in the UK. They call nine, nine, nine for emergency. And I was right. like, remember Titus it's nine one, one here, but they were, they were talking about what are the major things that you do for trauma right away. And they had the ABCs, which was airway, airway, breathing, breathing, and circulation. Yep. So I was like, Titus, that's your only air dad. Yeah, control. that's the number. Easy ABC thing.
0: Number one, like when we do our first assessment, it's always like ABCs first before anything else. And then you move on to you know, secondary and tertiary mm-hmm. things. It's fun.
1: I can Jesus juke this conversation. The ABCs of something. Oh, I was trying to think of a way to Jesus <laughs> trip the conversation. Yeah.
0: And I got all, it. all I thought was stop the bleed, Jesus on the so, cross. We don't want I to did. stop that bleeding. Is that?
1: His blood. <laughs> nope. that That's not actually where I was going. No, I'm I'm looking forward to having my ABCs of Easter coming in. They got delayed from the group Tiny Theologians. We did ABCs of Christmas. We only got through like, oh, so we'll try to be more ambitious next Christmas and get through all of them. But um, they got delayed because they were shipping out of Texas. And I ordered them right before the big snowstorm week there. Um, Did you know there are conspiracy theorists who think the government created that weather?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I'm not sure how they actually think the government did that. And to what end? And of all people, like Texas, like what government did this? You have a red state. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but don't I don't get that too that sidetracked. But I crazy. just,
0: my buddy here locally, we we've been we've been uh, uh, talking and and dealing with a lot of uh, cryptocurrency stuff here recently, and not due to this previous boom. We'd been we've been playing around with crypto back in 2016 before the first boom, uh, and getting excited about looking at blockchain developments on the technology. Does he think the government
1: can manipulate the weather too? No, check
0: this out. So we're talking about this and he says, yeah, the guy who, um, who introduced me to blockchain accused me of being part of, um, a child sex slavery ring because apparently all coffee roasters and and latte people are, you know, into child sex slaveries or something. I don't know what's going on, but he's a big QAnon guy. Um, And I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, no. So then he sends me a text, and it's like, <clears throat> I can't believe you do this child trafficking stuff. F you, <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> and my buddy responds, LOL. What? And like no other texts. And it's just like, what's going through that head? And and then he goes, Yeah. And apparently this guy is like a major, like kind of a well known, quote unquote Christian Respectable, in town, dude. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that he really believes, and really, it's like, wow, man, there's some really backwards. I think I responded as like, it doesn't surprise me. There is a healthy dose of people out there who wouldn't know what a biblical Christian Christian life, biblically grounded Christian life, even is if it hit him in the head. Like they're just see, I feel like I am
1: pretty skeptical of the government. Did I email you anything about this black guy Zuby? In the UK, I kept seeing people on Instagram, like doing screen grabs of his tweets. So I finally no, look you him know, up. You about I
0: this. think
1: he's libertarian. I don't think he's a believer, but he's done. He's made some really quotable comments. He lives in the UK. For example, one of them that I see a lot that I agree with is. It kind of an anti-socialism tweet, Now I'm not going to be able to say it correctly, but he, he essentially says, you know, the one conclusion That it's completely crazy to come to after the last year is the government cares deeply about me, and I should entrust more of my (laughs) well-being to the government. Like you know, yeah. And he's he's said a couple of other really concise things like that. But um, where was I going with that, Zuby? I don't know where I was going with
0: that. Something about something about conspiracy theories and oh. you know so so, yeah so
1: i i agree with that statement as a general rule the government as an amorphous entity that is responsible to no one as the government currently exists more or less in the united states um should not be entrusted with more of my personal well-being with more of educating my kids with more of my medical decisions with more of my financial decisions with more of the federal government should not be invested with more care of our local institutions all of these things i agree with i'm very skeptical of the government but what level of skepticism do you have to have to think that the government can send sub-zero weather to an entire almost an entire state and like people are saying like it's weird snow like it would like, the snow would burn. And it's like, that's because it's not just... Like, in order to have snow, it has to have particles that it revolves around. You know, that it is created around. Are and these people
0: in Texas saying this? Because they was, are in Texas. Do they know what snow is. It's Even in Montana, we got corn snow yesterday.
1: Yeah, our kids were calling it feta cheese snow. It's
0: weird, you guys. <laughs> they
1: kept eating it. It was popcorn snow, feta cheese Joe snow. Joe Biden
0: is blowing his nose on us, and it's white.
1: No, I... But, but the... I don't know. Like, I... It's like
0: people are weird and hard. We have a shirt that th- says people that People are
1: weird and hard, but that's, that's crazy to me. Um,
0: seriously.
1: So I have been listening to a began listening to a three and a half hour podcast. On, is that
0: the one you texted me about yesterday? Yeah,
1: Critical race theory. It's by a couple of guys. Their names are Daryl and Virgil. I think, mm-hmm. um, their, their podcast is called just thinking. I think the full title of it is just thinking for myself and they're black, and so they're making the point that- We'll link it. I'm thinking for myself, and it's a little bit crazy because it's three and a half hours long, but you can skip the first 17 minutes because it's like an ad for There's a There's a lot of strange
0: people like my own dear coach. brother who love really like the three-hour podcast. Well, what's that,
1: what's that Navy SEAL guy who does- Yeah, like crazy, Jocko. Yeah, he does crazy long for months. Yeah, I so can't, I'm listening to this in installments because no. it just happens to be- how long they ended up having this discussion for, but I had this really big bell, light bulb, not bell, light bulb go off in my brain as they were talking because one of the things that they feel like the church's embrace of critical race theory is reflective of is the lack of assurance in the sufficiency of scripture. And the sufficiency of scripture is a long-standing belief held by the church that the Bible is God's inerrant word, but it's sufficient for giving us direction on, as second Timothy would say, mm-hmm. you know, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, all things pertaining to life and godliness is another passage of Scripture that I can't think of the reference right now. Um, refers to, but I... In particularly with regard to critical race theory, there's they're pointing out that scripture is not believed to be enough for, and they actually use the same four categories that you and I have talked about, where CRT comes mm-hmm. into view, which is the understanding of what is mankind and they anthropology
0: anthropology,
1: uh, what is our problem. And, you know, so they're saying the fancy word, theological word they're using is hamartiology, the doctrine of sin, or the understanding of sin. Uh, Soteriology, what saves us, what fixes that. And then eschatology, which we're saying, like, what's the the end vision of Scripture pointing to the reconciliation of, first of all, fallen mankind to a holy God, and then from fallen mankind to a holy God— and then that holy God reconciling by the blood of the cross all of these fallen people and all of their brokenness and all of their ways of sinning against each other, reconciling us to one another. So as this diverse body, we worship the Lamb for eternity together. And that's the biblical view. And they point out that in each of these, CRT, critical race theory, offers a different problem and a different solution meaning that even christians who are saying like we're, we're not su- you're not substituting this it's just a helpful way of helping to understand things it's a helpful way of helping with race relations in the church and they're saying no it's such a different worldview and i think they actually make the case that it's more of a religion than mm-hmm. it's not an add-on it is actually a religion and a worldview unto itself and I know there are people who quibble with that, but that it sure feels like that to me. And so they're saying this—it it just eats away at or capitalizing capitalizes on the already eating away at evangelicals' confidence in the sufficiency of Scripture for helping us to understand life and to live out a healthy, wholesome, godly life. And— that just really resonated with me because as we have been talking about how do we disciple our kids in this brave new world, what is of utmost importance to us in discipling our kids is rooting them in Scripture, and at the very core of that is believing that Scripture truly is sufficient for helping understand life in this world and for helping us Understand what the solution for life in this fallen world is. Yeah, you don't have anything to say to that.
0: No, I agree with you 100. No, I don't know. <laughs> I was just I thinking, just... like, I, I, I guess I'm thinking. I do. My thinking on that is actually a little bit bigger too, because I was just having a conversation at Bible study where one of the guys um, at the Bible study, out of three out of six of us, and all of all of the guys except one were essentially raised. Well, except two, were raised in Christian homes. Um, but the one that surprised me was one of the guys. He'd never heard of plenary inspiration and didn't understand, didn't know the traditional view of the inspiration of the Holy Bible. And I got to thinking, man, there's what other fundamentals?
1: Did he? Did he? Understand the concept and just hadn't heard the term, or he had just never thought about I don't think he'd how did thought about scripture the... get from God's right. mind onto paper? Well, he
0: thought about that, paper in but the I, it was first century to us. It was first century to us that really hadn't just you know. Um,
1: who is that? Is it Josh McDowell or Lee Strobel? There was somebody who used to do like a whole apologetics course for teenagers. I feel like I took when I was young that was understanding how the canon of scripture was formed, like what was in and what was out. How did the first century church decide, especially with the new Testament, what's in and what's out. And then how did they also transmit one letter to another?
0: I don't remember. Somebody on the show listening would probably remember, but my thought was like, how many other people in church do we assume know fundamental theological principles right mm-hmm. and their application to our lives how many people do we assume know that that actually don't yeah and so then i got to thinking well not just with my kids but you know what about what about my local church and so i just i pitched these are uh, email responses from a couple guys i said hey guys how about a, some sort of like Sunday evening lecture series on these types of things? Because... How many people don't know?
1: Yeah, I feel like back when I was taking those classes or whatever, this faint, weird memory that I have of learning these things, it seemed so esoteric and not actually practical to be learning these things. Like It was interesting and kind of fun, but it wasn't that practical. But it's actually... Hugely practical in our day and age because it doesn't go without saying inside or outside of the church, although obviously the church has assumed that it went without saying that the Bible that we have as it is today accurately communicates the Word of God as inspired Mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, you know, two centuries ago for the New Testament way more centuries ago than that for the Old Testament. And how do we, why do we crazily believe if you're apart from God transforming your mind, it's pretty crazy to believe that this old book is the inspired word of God and that it's exactly the book, the set of books that God wanted us to have and that it's because it's the inspired word of God, that it's super relevant for today. Right. But how do we? So it's, I'm just thinking out loud. It's so, it feels so relevant to me right now and urgent as we have little kids who are growing up. And as this book, Mama Bear Apologetics, has pointed out, kids start to ask these questions, at least in their minds, if not out loud, way sooner than we recognize the, like, why are mom and dad harping on the Bible so much? It's just a boring book. And we're harping on the Bible because we believe that it's the inspired word of God. And we believe that it is sufficient for how we process all of life.
0: Well, and as a kid, you don't recognize that you're going to be faced in situations down the road where you're going to have people who are going to be antagonistic. They're going to have arguments that sound really good against you. They're going to have reasons why you shouldn't believe. And you know, and that builds up the fear of apologetics. You know, mm-hmm. my buddy, my buddy, one of my buddies all loves to study apologetics. And some of it's based out of like, I don't feel like I can answer for my faith. I don't feel like I've got the good responses anymore. And that's a constant learning, evolu- you know, process of of just evolving in your, in your understanding of scripture and your knowledge. But it's also kind of like, it's if you study a certain topic, and I kind of liken it to that a little bit. You know, for instance, I had a conversation, I had, you know, side comment, you know, the world, you know, crypto, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies blowing up when you have three completely unrelated conversations about the same thing from people who normally wouldn't be paying attention, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I had one of those this morning and he's a finance guy and he's like, man, it's going to take me like. I, I, it's going to take me days to get through just what I wrote down from you on this post-it note. But it's when you're when you're when you've been involved in something, when you've researched it, when you've studied it, when you've spent time with it, you get to know it a lot better. Mm-hmm. And what feels you can base your arguments on a sense of confidence and a sense of knowledge and understanding. And I think the same thing. And it happens with anything: plumbing, electrical, you know, songwriting baking mm. when you spend enough time with something child
1: rearing child rearing when you spend enough time <laughs> I don't love with anybody something. else's kids quite like I love my right. own
0: when you when you spend enough time with something you become something of an expert or at least you can communicate all of the concepts related therein to somebody else I think and, too- and even and even intelligently disagree or argue about mm-hmm. things and that's the same for me that's the same thing like scripture the more you study it the more you spend time with it the better you're going to be at communicating it in an apologetic context or even in a, you know, an educational context or whatever that context looks like. And it gives you a sense of, you know, a little sense of confidence, but as a kid mm-hmm. learning that stuff, like you said, it didn't seem any relevant, didn't seem relevant I to feel me. Like it seems relevant, totally relevant now. It's
1: going to be more urgent as we're training our kids than when we were kids, because right. there are way more outright attacks on, on our beliefs than it felt like there were in our culture when we were kids. Um, so rooting yourself in scripture, I totally agree with you. And I've seen that in your medical training. Like you love the medical training now. Now that you're a ski patroller, it was totally foreign and not particularly interesting.
0: And crazy daunting.
1: Yeah. And now it's still
0: kinda of daunting. It's
1: more familiar. And it's also something that you love doing because you spent time studying right. and you spent time with it. I feel like the other thing that scripture is unique in doing as opposed to, I mean, sure, like you you can cook all you want and, you know, follow recipes and get better at cooking and actually enjoy cooking, even though it was foreign and scary to you before, but scripture is unique in that it transforms your mind and your heart and your affections because yeah. it's God's word speaking to you. And it also grounds your identity, which is another thing. As I'm translating some of this, the the way the Just Thinking guys are talking about how they're processing CRT, they're not even really to the meat yet, but they're talking about how they've been attacked because it's two black guys who are theologically conservative and I haven't listened to them enough to know their politics, but they get attacked a lot by other black people who say that they're traitors and use all sorts of derogatory. I saw a white then. spectrum
0: map thing this week. <laughs> uh, I think Victor Marks had published it in one of his daily this, Talking about
1: briefs. the spectrum of whiteness that yeah, a black person spectrum, can have?
0: And anybody can have. Oh. But you're like, you know, they've got like white traitor They've got uh, white and all these crazy so, terms. It's like what, what, what? Yeah. And a couple schools are now teaching. I can't remember which um, Virginia, Vermont.
1: Yeah, treating they're, they're starting kids to adopt to be less white.
0: Yeah, they're adopting this language and this model yeah. in public education. Yeah. At also, a, at a, young, a early black age. guy
1: attacking an elderly Asian in California was a symptom of white supremacy, according to <clears throat> the powers that be.
0: None but of this makes any. It sense. doesn't
1: make any sense. But I feel like in such an emperor's new clothes world, again, like with the attacks on our faith being more out there than they ever have been in our culture, I feel like in our lifetimes, there's more like choose this day whom you will serve. It gets so in our faces. And these guys, (laughs) one of the guys was like, I have a three word life motto for all of these attacks. I don't. Care, And I feel like mottos like that are really concise and helpful because he's not saying he doesn't care about the witness that he gives, but I think what he's communicating is, my, I know where my identity is. My identity is so rooted in Christ and what he's done for me, and I know, I know who I am, I know what I believe because of the sufficiency of Scripture— you're not going to sway me by anything, by telling me that I'm anti-intellectual or I'm unloving or all of the ways mm-hmm. that attacks come at us. And Ali Stuckey has kind of, she's had a couple of podcasts and I follow her on her Instagram stories a lot. And she talks a lot about how Christians need to work at becoming uncancelable. And she's not necessarily talking about go work for a Christian organization that's not going to fire you for these beliefs or, you know, like not, she's not talking about the externals, but what about the fear that causes people to stay silent or to back down and to self-censor as it were? And she's like, you got to root your identity in Christ. You need to know and love the gospel so much that whatever people throw at you in terms of what they say about you, doesn't make you flinch because you don't care, essentially. And I just, I love how it just right in your face that statement is like, I don't actually care what you say about me. And it's not because I don't want to love you with Jesus's love, but it's because Jesus's opinion of me matters so much infinitely more than your opinion of me matters that yours doesn't count, Like it's just that small compared to Jesus's opinion of me. And so um, that I feel like those two things were in listening to that podcast were kind of a light bulb moment for me and almost like coming up with an unofficial credo for raising our kids. Like these are the bedrock principles for being a kid growing up in a Christian home in 21st century America, and I don't care what you think of me, and scripture is sufficient for all of life, and for understanding and living out all of life.
0: We should write a little booklet called I Don't Care, and everybody listening, all you people can buy it and make us rich. <laughs> right. I'm
1: kidding. Um, no, I, I just... I feel like there will be more things, but I kind of want to start making a list and those will be on the
0: list. You should. She did want to write a book, you guys, once about uh, parents. She said, if I ever write a book about parenting, it's going to be called Too Busy to Flush.
1: That was years ago when I wrote that down.
0: And in classic humor, family humor, uh, one of the kids wrote, dad has to poop. And it was all about, I think something was going, on. I had to go to the bathroom one day and I was trying, I was making breakfast, um, trying to change diapers. I trying wrote to get, that. Did you write My that? kids
1: didn't write it. I oh, wrote it. Good. I wrote a yeah. children's story about, good. yeah, you were leading worship at church that day.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: <laughs> Got to church early, <sighs> had to hold a crying baby during the service. Cause I think I was teaching <clears throat> children's church or something. And
0: it was a fun little handwritten, hand-drawn booklet.
1: Yeah, because I'm cute. an I'm also an excellent artist, and I can draw stick figures.
0: Super good stick figures, you guys. The lines are really straight, and they're proportionately correct in length.
1: Right. I wonder if I still have that somewhere. <laughs> I know I I put it on my Instagram or something. I should see uh, if I can. It's take around. It's people. probably
0: on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. Uh,
1: what's our time looking like?
0: I. Uh, I haven't been tracking. Okay. Why?
1: Well, because I have another
0: thirty-minute conversation.
1: Well, topic? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, so this weekend we had a missions get together at our church where we were, our denomination had a virtual missions conference, but our state is open enough and cases are low enough that we felt comfortable having a virtual watch party and it was over the dinner time. So we had hors d'oeuvres and filled up the fellowship hall with chairs and watched speakers from around the globe, um, talking about, missions and God's glory and how we participate in that. and then we had me sharing some about uh, our our local church's uh, missions involvement and where we spend our money and our energy and I was trying to think of a way to hook in what we were what I was what we do as a church to the sermon series our pastors are currently preaching through, which is the book of Acts. And I got a little bit hung up on Pentecost <laughs> because I was, I was rereading and remembered that when our pastor preached on Pentecost, I'd been super struck and had never really heard of this before until this fall when he preached on it. But the, the tongues of fire that come and sit on their heads, or rest above their heads, are not only a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but tongues of fire throughout the Old Testament, which remember the the Jews who were participating in first century Pentecost were steeped in Old Testament enough that I'm trying to think of a modern day example. Like if you were to show someone a picture of a silver apple with a bite out of it, they would be like, oh, you're talking about the company Apple. Or if you were to show them a logo of something, they would instantly, you know, a common logo, they would they yeah. would instantly have an entire body of knowledge come to their mind regarding that. So tongues of fire for a first century Jew would have called to mind God's holy power, beginning with the burning bush where Moses sees this bush that is burning, but it's not consumed. And God says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And then there are multiple times throughout the Old Testament where they set out a um, a sacrifice. Think of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and he pours water over the sacrifice just to make sure and god like whoop big flame comes and consumes everything all at once and that actually have like that that happened several times the dedication of solomon's temple um also spontaneous zoop, tongue of fire comes down so and that's so this is like i am holy you cannot approach me in my temple my holy temple you cannot approach me and now all of a sudden pentecost there's tongues of fire on all of them. And it's saying, you know, as the garden, the curtain, the cross says, you know, God's torn up his keep out sign, which is the temple curtain that with Jesus dying, now you can come in to God's holy place because of Jesus. And so I've now read that several times in Bible reading things or whatever, and been like, wow, that's really cool to be reminded of the tongues of fire. And I couldn't work that into my missions thing on Saturday, (laughs) but I wanted to work it in here. But here's the other super interesting thing that is it will, will connect at the end. So when I was in seminary, Ed Welch was teaching about guilt and shame. And I really had not had a lot of experience myself or, being around other people who verbalized, at least, a struggle with shame. But he talked about counseling several people. One woman that he counseled, it made such an impression on me. I know I've cited this before, but she was so, I think because of things that had been done to her in her childhood that she blamed herself for and felt dirty for, she actually was afraid to open her mouth in public because she felt like black would spew out of her mouth. Like she had this totally irrational fear that the shame that she felt would actually be physically manifested in black coming out of her mouth in public. And wow. Welch goes through the history of the Old Testament and he he connects shame with, in the Old Testament, it's connected with uncleanness. And uncleanness in the Old Testament is contagious. So if someone has a skin condition or if someone is determined to be unclean ritually in some other way and this was both a holiness issue as well as a physical health issue. I mean, look at us now. We know that uncleanness spreads. You know, we're all yeah. living in social distancing because because there are contagious things that by isolating an unclean person both ritually as well as physically you can right. contain the spread of things so uncleanness is contagious so if um you know i'm trying to think of an example that's not like grossing people out but you know if if i have if i'm having my period i can't think of anything else And the old <laughs> let's test, just go
0: there because well yeah you know, but
1: like like think about well adults here is it is it leah rachel when they steal their father's idols and they sit on it, and he's going to search. Was, all that the was that was Rachel. So she's he's going to search all the I tents. Just read that, and she's sitting on you know she puts a rug over the idol, she hides him, and she's like, "I'm sorry, Dad, you can't come in and search this because I'm having my period." And he's like, "I don't oh, remember that, you know, can't come near because you I
0: don't remember that your
1: uncleanness will contaminate me." Uh. And so, um, the, all through the Old Testament, you know. People with skin conditions are outcasts outside of town. Jesus comes on the scene, and uncleanness doesn't contaminate him. His holiness heals the uncleanness, Mm. both physically and spiritually. And so Jesus is is walking around like someone who just got over COVID. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I mean, so this might— weird people out who aren't in Montana. But like, I don't need to wear a mask. You're not a threat to me. I'm not a threat to you. Like, look at me. I got to get out of jail free card. I mean, not quite. Because so so where that breaks down is is Jesus spreads his holiness. And never before in history has holiness been a good spread. Like Isaiah sees the holiness of God and falls down on his face because he knows that he should be dead. And Say, you know, don't come near the mountain while Moses is talking or you will be dead. Don't come into the Holy of Holies. Don't touch the Ark. You will die. Don't even have the Ark in your town or you're all going to get weird tumors. I mean, that's. I just read that with the kids. That's come up Samuel. like I
0: know. It's come up like three times because this week.
1: it's so. Because then they made golden tumors, and it's so weird to me. Like, how do you make a golden tumor? It
0: looks like a snitch, Molly. I
1: sp- no, it doesn't. It's probably like weirdly shame. ball. Anyway, so so all of these things like holiness it, in the Old Testament is a danger to to sinful people because of Jesus. Holiness is contagious. Mm, I like that. In the New Testament, an uncleanness is no longer a threat to the clean, and so here we are with the, with God's holiness actually on our heads in tongues of fire, and now in our hearts as the Holy Spirit. For those of us who are living, I'm burning in my bosom. We're living in the 21st century church, <laughs> but but what so I was thinking about. I, you know, maybe this becomes part of the our list of our credo things. Like, p- other people's uncleanness, i.e. their wackadoodle crazy stuff that they're thinking and saying these days. The QAnon things. Um, not just QAnon, all the things. Like, apparently, <laughs> some congresswoman has a sign outside of her door that just says, like, boys are boys and girls are girls. And, like, it's been, like, vandalized and people are hating on her because of this very, what used to be a very straightforward statement. Like, if you are born with a penis, the doctor doesn't say, I think I'm going to make this one a boy. Like, he pronounces a reality. And then you proceed as you grow up to live out the unique way that that reality God has put in your heart and in your mind to be that unique Male person that God made. The doctor is not the one who sets you on that life trajectory until something in your brain becomes capable of deciding that. Those are crazy things to say in our day. And or age. your caregiver, right? Your caregiver. Um. So, I think that the more comfortable I get saying, "I don't care what you think of me." as well as the more rooted I get in understanding, like, this science is actually real. And I trust science because it's a reflection of how God made the world. Um, I I feel like I want to be less afraid of the uncleanness slash the craziness of the world affecting me and my kids. Mm -hmm. And that is by pursuing holiness. Because... Holiness trumps uncleanness. A true yep. holiness is not so—I mean, the other, like, super stereotypical one would be having a very overt sinner come into your church, where you have good church kids who dress up for church and know how to sit still through church and know all of the rules. And if you have someone come in who obviously is has been living a life out of accord with Scripture, they should not feel like a threat— because your life of spirit-led holiness is more contagious to them than their life of in the flesh uncleanness.
0: That's a super interesting perspective that I hadn't really
1: I don't know I don't know how theologically that... correct that is, but I've I've been musing on that, bringing together the Pentecost thing and the Ed Welch Jesus unclean holiness trumps uncleanness thing.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And for those of you who think she might be coming up with all of her theological knowledge just in her own world, she's not. Like, she is a she kind has of a, I'm she just making
1: this up as a a Demon
0: from Westminster and goes to church M- every Sunday. M div. M div. I was getting backwards. I think you should have a demon. You should read a book.
1: Um. Read a book
0: called too busy to flush
1: i'm sure that (laughs) i'm sure that a title on a dissertation would for sure get me a doctorate. that would be awesome
0: you get a you get an honorary demon just for the title
1: (laughs) i don't think they give honorary demons (laughs) for titles for yeah no they that'd be rad
0: just for the title (laughs) that's a rad title
1: oh i'm gonna i could say things about honorary doctorates right now that would take us down a rabbit trail that I would... Let's not go down a rabbit trail. would dig trail. me in a hole that I'm not sure I want to dig out of.
0: <laughs> Let's... <laughs> I'm going to stay in the hole and cover myself. Okay, before we close the show, uh, we have... I thought this would be fun. We could respond to a couple messages from fans. Oh, sweet. Like a mailbag thing. I thought we did that one, that one time. We've been getting a couple emails for those of you who haven't messaged us through the website or text message or... Uh, email um, we've been getting a couple contacts every week which is kind of cool um, I want to thank you guys too we hit number 17 not that charts matter but we hit 17 last week in uh, the parenting category on iTunes <laughs> number 17 that's pretty rad I have no there could be 18 parenting podcasts I have no idea so anyway that was kind of fun okay so Aaron uh, Aaron doesn't say where she knows who she is she says love in the podcast my husband found it recently it's great to help me laugh and also reflect and think during the newborn days
1: Oh, get your hydrogen peroxide out for those <laughs> I don't I don't think I ever tried it on mm. spit up but the blowouts
0: newborns are so cute I got the little bundle they I love wrapping them and swaddling them up and putting the little hat on burritos. them just carry them everywhere I feel like
1: every successive one we had we enjoyed that stage more
0: yeah and it was shorter. Yeah. By kid four, it felt like that stage was a week.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I savored it more with kid number four, knowing that she mm. was gonna be our last because we were old.
0: I love how a bunch of people I talk to are I've talked to recently, are like, Yeah, I heard you have a podcast. My spouse or my wife or my husband told me about it, which cracks me up. I love the fact that you guys are sharing the show with your with your speaking uh, of which spouses.
1: today is tish's birthday
0: hey happy birthday tish so i'm
1: her husband texted me and said my wife enjoys listening (laughs) to your podcast and will you send her a happy birthday message today so i have to do that when we when we get off here. i sent myself a reminder to do it but happy happy birthday tish and thanks for listening to us and talking to your husband about us
0: yeah that's awesome Shane, what a guy. Um, And yes, Aaron, we'll check out that website you uh, you forwarded on. It looks pretty cool. I haven't actually looked at it, but we'll, we'll look at it. It looks cool. All right. And the other one, this is kind of fun. It's from Seth. Wow, I just heard about you this week on The World and Everything In It and checked out an episode, naturally the one about sex goggles, because everybody <laughs> loves sex goggles. And after digging around, found out you're in Billings. I grew up in Montana and now live 100 miles south in Wyoming, with my wife and four kids. So that must mean you're in Powell?
1: Because my grandparents, Seth, we should send you an email about this too in case
0: we'll, you don't. We'll respond this to This one email, doesn't it's but it's have sex to have in, have the in the in title.
1: The... And so it might not catch your eye. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you sex are only searching for all of the ones that we refer to about sex, um, this won't be in the title. Um, my Grandparents, my mom's parents lived in Deaver for my whole life, and Deaver, Level, and Powell are kind of a triangle. And Deaver was the smallest of the three. There was, by the time they died, there were no restaurants in Deaver. There was one for a while, and it would kind of come and go. But it was, I don't even know if Deaver had a post office by the time they died. Um, But um, we would go to Powell. That was the big city. I don't even know. And then here's a weird here's. but they taught at Northwestern College and South City's and Campus Ministry. So if he's a hundred miles south of us, I don't think Cody has anything. So it's got to be Northwestern and Powell.
0: Yes. Uh, and another funny little connection. Your grandparents grew up uh, like a half a mile. We had a house a half a mile away from some of my best friends growing up's grandparents. Huh? Rikert's.
1: Oh, down in Denver. Yeah, down in Denver, yeah. which is
0: super crazy. But then we did a judo. Uh, we did a judo gig uh, two years ago in Powell. There's a dojo in Powell mm-hmm. that we will occasionally partner with for really fun things. Um, so yeah, Seth, you can come up anytime you want and talk about um, your video media stuff that you've been wanting to talk and about. And
1: we have a big yard and
0: bring your wife, bring your kids, crazy
1: kids. You can your they'll, kids. And they'll
0: run around. And okay, let's
1: close with this. Give me an excuse we to have a make Traeger. A we like to cook food for people. You just said yes. brisket. Tell people about your favorite brisket recipe.
0: Oh, you guys. So, all right. So Traeger grills. Um, I'm I'm probably full disclosure. Love my Traeger. Uh, it's been really inconsistent with me the last year and a half. I'll probably maybe with one of these stimulus payments go up, buy me a new barbecue, and it's not going to be a Traeger. Um, but that said, cause I want, I want a real, I want more realness. I want to sear it 700 degrees and I want thick gauge steel. And-
1: because we keep having barbecues die on us. And so we can't actually grill
0: when I use, when, when we, yeah, when we, and when I use my Traeger, man, I'm telling you guys, we've, I've had two 18 pound briskets there on once on at once. Molly's filled it up multiple times on a continuous basis. We'll do 18 hour smokes. I mean, it gets used. We're doing one on Sunday. I'm really excited. Um. Anyway, where was I going with all of that? On Sunday, we're doing a biscuit. Right. So, Traeger uh, recipes. So, Traeger uh, over last uh, last Christmas, I think, they did a Traeger Live presentation on Facebook. So, if you go to Traeger Grills I think it on Facebook the page. was in
1: spring during the first part of the shutdown. Was
0: it the first part of the shutdown?
1: I think so. I we're going to have to try to dig it up. Anyway, just for- go
0: to the Facebook page, look for Traeger's Facebook page, look for, um, a live, uh, barbecue session with Matt, um,
1: from meat, meat church.
0: church. Yeah. What's his last name? I just, my mind's just blanked on me. Matt from meat church, meat church, barbecue. He goes through a whole uh, process of making his brisket. And what I love about it is it was, it became, it was even simpler for me. Um, and, He showed me how to make burnt ends. And you guys, if you're not cutting the points off and making burnt ends, you're missing out on. I'm banned from saying it. You're missing out on on a food experience that's coming close to the sexual experience. You're missing out. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So that's me saying it right. So.
1: Um, I th- um, that's I my favorite. I just did a quick recipe. search, and I think we can put a YouTube link in case people don't want to do Facebook. Oh, perfect! Yeah, you you'll have to watch it. It's a long video. It's guys. about an
0: hour. Yeah, yeah I think this it was about is about an hour
1: and eleven minute. He one. did it. Traeger Kitchen Live streamed ten months ago. It's that one. Ten. Yeah. Um, so I have decided that my um my dessert for our brisket party is going to be s'mores bars. So I'm gonna do. Mm. I've been looking for recipes, and I think I found one I like. I'm going to do a graham cracker crust in like a big sheet pan Mm -hmm. and then a layer of chocolate ganache that will either be just melted chocolate chips with cream or butter or one gal I found does sweetened condensed milk with melted chocolate chips. So that's the chocolate layer. And then I'm just going to sprinkle mini marshmallows over the top and roast it until like broil it until they're brown. So for like a minute and a half. So next. So that's dessert on Monday.
0: Next week. When we do the show, we'll tell you how the dessert turned out. And if it's any good, we'll link the recipe. Okay. How's that sound? Sounds good. And then I do want to put on our list of things to eat, Molly. Uh, Paul's recommendation, one of our other listeners, my cousin Paul, uh, his recommendation on that French toast, Mills something other. FFA, yeah, the creme brulee
1: French toast. Yeah, the creme brulee
0: French toast. We'll do that and then we'll, we'll see. We'll tell you guys if it's any good. So we love food a lot. We love food a lot.
1: We do. Um... I have to go make dinner for okay. our kids.
0: Fair. Yeah, we got judo coming up. Guys, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for sharing us with your friends, your spouses, your loved ones, those you hate. Please send us to those you hate. That would be <laughs> super fun.
1: And say if um, you don't like it, I don't care. Yeah.
0: Uncancelable.
1: Just kidding. We actually care if you Jeez. like
0: us. Okay. Um, if you want to email us, it's TB the number two F at PM.me tb2fpm.me. If you want to send me a text, 406-318-7136. And of course we have uh, the postcard option on our website. And if you do decide to sign up for a newsletter, they'll they give you an option to send us a note. So you've got a multiple ways that you can give us uh, feedback, ask us questions, or just tell us funny stories. We like funny stories. We do. We'll start sharing your funny stories on the show. That'd be super fun. (laughs) Super fun. Okay. That said, thanks for rating us uh, on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for sharing us. And we will see you guys next week.